the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And today joining me is Anthony Cognilio with New Lake Capital Partners. And Anthony, um, New Lake is a $100 million fund or diversified uh, capital group that's looking and supporting the cannabis industry through real estate um, investments towards leasing back and helping companies establish themselves without necessarily the capital outlay. Um, required to build the facilities in the first place and that allowing them to amortize the costs over time. That's a great area which uh, causes a problem for a lot of uh, startups. How did you get into that? So when we started looking at the, <clears throat> excuse me, when we started looking at the sector a few years ago, we realized that there was an opportunity to step into a, not only a nascent industry, but one that was really starving for what I would call normalization. And so what we thought we could bring was professionalization or normalization on the capital side focused on real estate. And much the way um, capital providers supported, whether it be data centers in the early 90s at the outset of the development of data centers or lab space or other subsectors of real estate, we thought that we could be an early mover in the normalization of real estate financing for this sector. And um, as you know, the, over the last couple of years, capital has become more difficult for companies in the sector to obtain. And we found ourselves being well-received because we're able to provide non-dilutive capital to companies that are in this high-growth and exciting industry. Um, yeah. And so we, um, we saw a great opportunity and we got organized around it. So, you know, non-dilutive capital is always of appealing to companies, but under what terms do you, uh, do you structure the participation? Since we acquire the underlying asset and we will own the real estate, we spend a fair amount of time in underwriting our transactions based on the quality of the real estate as well as the quality of the resulting tenant. And so... Our terms do vary from location to location and tenant to tenant uh, based on the market value of the real estate, but also based on the credit quality and the financial wherewithal of the tenant itself. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, <clears throat> excuse me, cap rates, which is the way you measure the, the yield in real estate, cap rates on retail would be anywhere from 10.5% to 12.5%. And cap rates on industrial properties would be anywhere from 115 to 14.5% in that right. range. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's right in the, the norms there. That's great. And so, you your fund, your firm raised or has $100 million to apply to the market. I think you've got about 20 projects underway or already in, uh, in operation right now that you're supporting and still looking for more opportunities. Are you focusing on a geographic area or are you looking right across the U.S.? We're looking across the U.S., but I'll go back and say that we currently own 21 properties across eight states. Mm -hmm. um, we own 17 
retail locations, as well as for industrial properties for uh, growing and manufacturing. So for us, we really like being across the value chain in cannabis. Right. We particularly like to focus on states and jurisdictions where there's a more limited license uh, licensing regime. We think that in those more limited license jurisdictions, there's better intrinsic value in the license and therefore the underlying property. And so that tends to be more so where we focus. Right. And so um, when you when you acquire a piece of property, then you lease it back or do you do, is it a straight lease, a lease back, a lease for sale? How, how do you structure it with the companies you're working with? The transactions we do are sell leaseback transactions, <clears throat> excuse me, where we will acquire the property and then concurrently um, lease it back to the company for 10, 12, 15, 20 years, depending on the contract. And the, the from the tenant's perspective, there's no displacement from the tenant. It's really a financial transaction at that point. So there's zero disruption to their business activities. Right. And so, and the tenant's responsible for all the TI costs to get outfitted, of course, for the actual operation of the facility at that point. Primarily, there are instances where we do provide tenant improvement dollars to the tenant for build out of the actual real estate. What we don't provide is money for trays and tables and equipment related expenses. But we do have uh, a number of transactions with our tenants where we're providing additional dollars for expansion of, uh, of square footage of the buildings. Right. So it's a form of a REIT operating specifically for the cannabis space right now and trying to, and developing out beside it. That's, that's precisely correct. And that's how we're set up. We're not a fund. We're a company. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, we think we can build a, a sizable business focused on this burgeoning cannabis industry because we see cannabis real estate as a, as a new subsector of commercial real estate, particularly here in the U.S., where each state requires its own infrastructure. And in our opinion, that'll be in place for quite some time. Um, and, and therefore, as a result, it does require a significant amount of real estate to execute the business plan. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, REITs are very well-proven business models for, on both sides in terms of the investor and the, uh, the companies which are dealing with them to secure property to develop their operations. Um, how, you know, with the changes in the financing market around the cannabis space in the last year, that's obviously affected your opportunity as well, created some opportunities, but also how has that affected uh, your investors in terms of their appetite for participation? Obviously, you may have lost some and gained some others. How, how, how has it shifted? We have over 170 investors, and we have raised $100 million of capital. <clears throat> Excuse me. We do have some capital um, still remaining that we're looking to do additional transactions beyond the 21 that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, From our investors' perspective, they look at us, and they like that they're getting, a, getting paid a nice, healthy quarterly dividend quarter after quarter from us. Um, Even through COVID, our dividend has been uninterrupted. Um, We're very happy that from a tenant perspective, uh, we've had no rent deferrals, no vacancies. Um, And so we're feeling good about the disciplined underwriting approach that we've taken. So so we wouldn't have an interruption in our net operating income or our NOI. Right. Um, And therefore, when we we talk to investors about some of the capital difficulties, we point them to the fact that when we underwrite transactions – 
we spend a tremendous amount of time understanding the financials, understanding the business dynamics of the partner and understanding what their runway is, both from a cash flow perspective as well as a balance sheet perspective and capital perspective. Um, and so uh, what we really tell our investors is that's what that's why you should give us the investment dollars because we think the combination of cannabis experience, real estate experience, financial services, restructuring experience, that our team has the ability to manage the various inputs, make sound decisions, and deploy capital effectively. No, absolutely. And absolutely. And so, you know, with regards to the the model, I mean, it's well proven um, in so many other industries. What do you see right now from, you know, because you're dealing with a piece of the puzzle and cannabis entrepreneurs who are getting going, be it, uh, you know, I know you deal with a number of dispensaries and then you've got a of companies that are in a few other uh, areas, including I'm sure some that are producers. Um, where are you seeing the capital flowing from the other perspectives that people are trying to access? And where are you seeing the companies running into challenges where there's, it's just not there, where it would have been there a year ago? Yeah, here I think I'll be stating the obvious, uh, or I should say the risk of stating the obvious. It's about profitability and cash flow. Um, I think that over the last year, you've seen operators driven by the markets, operators force on driving to profitability and driving to cash flow. And quite frankly, all of the effort that went into that in the second half, in, in the last two or three quarters of last year, really positioned the industry well for what happened in March, April, May. Um, and I think the industry was already becoming more nimble and more efficient. And I personally believe it, it allowed the industry to weather the COVID storm as well as it has thus far. Um, I think the new capital that's coming in is looking for a bargain right now. Mm -hmm. And there's belief that they can observe what goes on in the market. Um, and being speaking quite bluntly, I think some of the new capital providers are saying, I'll just wait for the pain, more pain to happen because prices will come down and I'll have a better entry point maybe two, three, four, five months ago, uh, months from now. Um, and so we're seeing, we're seeing people swirl, but we haven't seen anybody swoop yet uh, to use a, maybe a poor analogy. No, no, that's, uh, that's very true. We're seeing that across uh, a lot of the areas of the industry globally and you know, I'm my company, uh, Plana Global, that uh, I run. We just close a round of financing, and it's a tough market for uh, people out there. We we're counter sales fortunate that we were able to do it, and it was a you know great sign of support that we were able to go raise the capital to uh, that puts us in a position of uh, having a very long runway, and that's uh, right. that's incredible. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis a lot of the companies that right now are looking at walls uh, that are approaching them quickly. Let's, uh, let's come back to that when we come back from the break. And uh, I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak with Anthony Cognilio with New Lake. We'll be back in a moment. Do you need a glass of water or anything, Anthony? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, let me. <clears throat> the Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, 
how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resents, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with the uh, Green Peak and Anthony Cognilio with New Lake Capital. And Anthony, there were a lot of interesting points you just raised uh, before the uh, break there. And, you know, we, uh, my company, Plena, uh, we own our property down in Colombia, of course. It's a different scenario than being in the U.S. with different uh, access and opportunities with regards to capital and different limitations as well. But, um, you know, the, the asset base is there and the, developing the business is consistent. We've had some really great support from the market. But when I look at, you know, some of the struggles that the U.S. companies and the Canadian companies are not really all that different in many ways for what's coming up, there's, um, there's going to be a lot of challenges. And as you said, there's a lot of investors sitting there waiting to pounce on opportunities. And there's companies, you know, people are you know, I look at it in terms of we want to make all boats float in terms of success in one helps breed success throughout the industry. But there's a lot of people who are waiting for companies to fail to participate. And that creates difficulties for operators across the industry, but also for companies like yours that have uh, positions that are su- supportive of the uh, the industry as a whole. What makes a, you know, for for a company that's operating in the space and looking at restructuring and finding new ways to to finance but also to lower their monthly burn but structure things more efficiently what's a what's a good profile for what you would be interested in looking at who, who sure. should come see you <laughs> yes um you know first I'd, i'll just make a comment for everybody that's listening that's running a company one of my observations is that some folks in this industry are managing their business to sell the company Mm -hmm. and 
I don't, I, I think the more successful platforms are managing their business for the long run. And there's a difference. It's different decision-making if you're in it for the long haul versus if you're trying to position for a sale. So I would just encourage everybody to be thinking about it, that you're in it for 10 years plus. You're not in it to get a, uh, a takeout. And you'll probably make some different decisions if you change your mindset that set you up for better, better durability of your business and surprisingly, or maybe shouldn't be surprising, um, more attractive from a buyer's perspective because it'll well, be a more stable platform. Well, that's exactly the thing. And that's where people get really badly confused. Even if you want to position yourself for a sale, build a viable business that's self-sustaining and has a clear path to profitability because that's what people want to buy. Right. right? If you think you're just going to do a flip because you've got you know, something that's cool, well, so do, so do five other people and you're not aware of them. But right. one of them is going to make money. For sure. And there's so many other companies out there competing with you that in order to be successful in this sector, and, and I think it's similar to way you'd be successful in a non-cannabis sector. It's focusing on product, focusing on your customer, and making sure you're providing a value proposition um, that, that people want. So we actually, to tie that into your question about what we look for, that's part and parcel of what we look for. How are these businesses being run? Are they being run by individuals that have their feet on the ground, not their head in the clouds, so to speak, yep. um, that are realistic in their projections? And, you know, let me make a comment about the real estate. Um, you know, many people look at the real estate and say, boy, I don't want to lock myself into a 10 and a half, 12 and a half. 13% cap rate for a long period of time. You know, the reality is having your capital tied up in your real estate isn't an efficient use of the capital. And I don't think it's why investors gave you their capital to play with, meaning to, to have it tied up in a hard asset. And I point people to Amazon or Walgreens um, or uh, other companies that lease their spaces for 300, 400, 500 basis points above what their borrowing costs are because they realize it's not efficient to, to bog the balance sheet down with debt for real estate. It's better for a real estate investor to own the real estate and have, a very, have that, that fixed cost lease payment and not have to worry about the underlying real estate and utilize either your debt capacity or your capital to really grow your business because that's going to generate the best return for your investor because that's what they're paying you for. They're paying you to build a business around cannabis, not to amass a portfolio of real estate that is also a part of being in the cannabis sector. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So the companies that should be coming to see you, they're ones which are cash flow positive or they would be cash flow positive if they restructured their, uh, their, ca their assets into a payment as a, and took the capital for other operations? Yeah, either cash flow positive today or getting there, right? Have right. a clear plan and a demonstrated path to getting there. Um, audited financials. Lots of folks don't have audited financials. And mm -hmm. while we generally trust people, and we have 170 investors that we have to answer to. It's hard to say their balance sheet is on a spreadsheet. We, we do need that independent assessment. Um, and a management team that has the experience and ability to navigate the uncharted waters that we're all going through in the industry as an industry, but also in this world as we enter into the resulting recession of uh, COVID-19's impact on our world globally. 
uh, yeah, I mean, the COVID factor, I mean, I don't think any of us can really quantify how it's going to turn out and how it's changing uh, society as a whole in terms of we operate with the economy, uh, where it's really going and what's going to happen. But, um, you know, that that's to be determined, of course. But you mentioned about audited financials and... You know, we we use MNP, which is a great uh, great firm, yeah. and they're well recognized across the industry. But we know companies that use small shops that nobody's heard. You know, very local shops. Not not going to denigrate them in any way, shape, or form, but they're not well known. Um, what level, when you ask for audited financials, should people be expecting to give? Because people try and cut corners in places and. You know, it's great to have audited financials, which are um, useful for you as an internal company, but they may not be useful to all the investors. They may not have that stamp of authority, which is why people pay a premium to some of the big firms. Right. Listen, I think it's a balance. I understand the cost-conscious nature of making a decision around audited financials. Um, And so we're open to having that conversation. It's not been an issue yet, but we're open to having that conversation. But for those listening that are trying to make that decision, um, I will tell you my personal perspective, and maybe because I worked at Price Waterhouse earlier in my career, so I'm an auditor at heart. My personal mm-hmm. perspective is stewards of capital. For all of us that run businesses, as stewards of capital, we should be providing our investors with a commensurate level of uh, judicious overview of that capital or oversight of that capital. And to me, in my opinion, personally, you know, part of it is having a quality firm at the right price, but a quality firm um, provide that third party assurance to our investors. Um, and again, a quality firm could be a local firm um, and that's fine. But as long as it's a quality firm with true yep. independence. Well, that, that's exactly it. And, you know, I, I agree with you fund, fundamentally there. And it's something which, you know, people don't take the time to to think about sometimes. But, you know, we have quality assurance and it's necessary to ensure the quality of the goods we provide. And we have, you know, we go through companies in this space. If they're in pure medical like we are, you go through GACP and you go through GMP and we do pharma grade products. And, you know, that's a level of standard and duty of care. And you've got high-end quality products on one end. The reality is your business better operate to those standards everywhere. And having audited financials is just one of those areas. And I For think sure. a lot of people don't take the time to uh, to assess that. It's, it's, a, it's a line item on the P&L. It's an expense item to some people. I actually view it um, as a tool that could really help us run our business better um, provide that assurance to our investors and quite frankly, help gather additional capital. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, not that any, um, entrepreneur wants to use this as their business model, but if you have audited financials, you have a, a level of oversight and review that if something does go wrong, you have some backup and that does matter at a certain point for a lot of people. Yes. Nobody wants to see things go wrong, but that's why you buy house insurance too. (laughs) Very true. Good analogy. (laughs) So we'll have to go to a break and we'll be back again in uh, just a couple of minutes with Anthony Cognilio with uh, New Lake Capital. All right. Do you need a glass of water again, Anthony? And is there an area you want to talk about in the last segment? 
Um, you think you have a fair number of investors on here? Is it mostly business? Yeah. No, yeah. we have investors, quite a so, lot. Um, you know, I think one thing we've touched on is the recession. Mm-hmm. And I think for the investors in this, to know where this industry is going over the next one to two years in the context of a recession. Yeah. Um, and also from the operator's perspective, operators should be selling this industry as performing well relative to other potential investments people can make uh, at this point in the business cycle. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky. And of course, joining me today, Anthony Cognelio with New Lake Capital. And Anthony, before we jump into the last segment, um, you know, people who are listening to this and thinking they should be contacting you to find out more, where should they go and visit? Uh, with your website, is there a different place you prefer to be contacted through? Uh, the, the, our website, thank you for asking. It's www.newlake.com. That's N-E-W-L-A-K-E. Com. And uh, after they check us out on the website, if they have any questions, there's an info button there that they can click uh, and email us and we will get back to them very, very timely. And that's something that both entrepreneurs and investors should use to, to learn more about what you do and how they can participate, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, if anybody out there is looking to enter into a sell leaseback transaction, or if you're looking at a property to acquire and you want us to come in uh, pre-acquisition and close for you and enter into a lease, we're happy to look at that. And for anybody interested in investing, 
um, we'd be happy to walk you through our business and our our value proposition. Yeah, and these you know these times of uncertainty um, are also times of opportunity, and this industry, I I always tell people it's, I used to be in technology and it was always, it's been interesting for me in technology. I'd build really cool and amazing things, but I'd explain to people why they needed them. And in medical cannabis, I don't have to explain to people why they need my product. It's more a question how fast can I have it and how much uh, can I get? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a, for people looking at participating and considering all the turmoil and, you know, or the risks, right. And everything else, this is really an industry that it's at its low point in uh, in the market swings, and you know as we move forward, every day we're closer to uh, one step closer to federal legalization, but also globally the markets keep opening up. Um, how do how do you find the conversation with you know the entrepreneurs? It's easy; they they know they're looking at an opportunity and something they can build out. They may. You know, they may have different degrees of certainty and different expectations, but the investors, how, how do they understand, you know, where it's going and which are the right opportunities to participate in? Because obviously, if you're helping deal with the, helping them deal with the real estate aspect, you're also able to share insights around what else is working or maybe is getting saturated or under uh, undersupplied. Yeah, I, you know, where I start with people when I talk to them is telling them to understand where they are on the risk spectrum. Mm-hmm. How much risk are you willing to take with your investment? So if you're a go for it all, I'm willing to lose everything and get 30 times my money, 40 times, 50 times my money, well then go into equities of operators and, and try to pick the right one. Um, there are others on the other end of this risk spectrum that say, no, 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 I believe in the space. And yes, I want to take some risk, but I don't want to lose my money. And so that's where we tend to cater um, because with us, we get cash flow currently. Um, We're profitable today. We've got diversification amongst geography, amongst tenants, amongst use type. um, And we own the underlying property. So there's a lot, there's that collateral protection, so to speak. So we'd be kind of towards the other end of the spectrum. So I always tell investors, figure out where you want to be on the risk spectrum and then um, pick your spot and do your research. And the other thing is to really, in, in my opinion, you really need to understand the companies and go beyond the financials and understand what the principals are talking about and how they're talking and how they're managing risks in this sector. Um, the informed investor here in this cannabis sector will do much better than the uninformed. Whereas I think in some other sectors, um, you might be able to skate by and not have the peaks and the valleys that you would in cannabis, but you might be able to skate by without doing as much work here. So where are you on the risk spectrum and then do the work. Um, and so that's how I advise folks, uh, in terms of thinking about whether they want to be in equity or in debt, or in our case, uh, the sale lease back. Right. And that, you know, that holds true of every industry that people look at in terms of investments, um, you know, the, your risk profile and what you get into, but you know, how are people looking at, you know, which parts of the industry and the institutions are performing well and offer, you know, how do you, how do you look at which ones offer that upside? 
that you're because your investors are looking at it beyond the straight real estate. They're looking at participation one way or the other. Right. And our our value prop is that we're not, what we're not saying is we're the best ones to judge who the winners and losers are in the space. Right. What we're saying is we think we do a good job of underwriting the tenants. Um, but at the end of the day, if our property is located in a quality real estate location, in a limited license jurisdiction, we're more likely than not to be able to retenant that property should our tenant incur uh, uh, economic issues and have to turn it over. And so, you know, there are myriad ways that we layer in protections uh, to mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. And um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I was just saying, yes. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's exactly it. For the entrepreneur, you know, you need to de-risk the exposure and maximize the cash you have on hand for your operations and building out the cash cash flow generating portions of your business and being able to take the capital cost around the property ownership and maintenance off the table and reduce it to a manageable load on a, on a monthly basis is a smart way to structure your business. And your, your opportunity advances that and makes it possible for, you know, right now, 21 different uh, organizations and you're looking, you know, based on your capital deployed, you probably have another four to five you're, you're looking at in this first round of funding, if I, if I do my math right. Yeah, we, we actually have the 21 properties. We have some of a multi-properties. For instance, we have 10 properties with one particular tenant. So we don't have 21 individual tenants. Um, I wish we had that level of diversification. But right. I think you're right. I think for the operators, they have to decide what their business is. If, if their business is running a cannabis company, then I'd focus my energy, effort, and capital on that. Um, and, and again, from, I could spend hours talking about the corporate finance reasons to do this. And, and when I say this, I mean, sell leaseback. And again, you're in good company for those that have done it because Walgreens in the U S does it or Amazon does it right. Amazon can borrow money at three and a half percent. Why do you think they're signing leases for 7% on some of their industrial property? Because they don't want to utilize that balance sheet leverage capability to raise capital to, to put into a fixed asset like real estate, which has limited return potential, their capital should be going into building the Amazon brand and their delivery capability, much the way a cannabis company should be investing capital into developing brands, platform, marketing, other aspects of the business that will drive revenue, EBITDA, free cash flow, because that's ultimately where you're going to be valued, what you're going to be valued on. I can tell you in all the M&A deals I've seen in the space so far, nobody is buying companies because of the balance sheet value of real estate. Yep. No, absolutely. And it's like anything else in any business. You focus on what you can do exceptionally well, and you outsource and find other ways to manage the areas that are peripheral to your core value proposition. But we're, um, we're out of time for today, unfortunately, Anthony, and uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us here on The Green Peak and to, our listeners for, for, uh, to our listeners for participating. And once again, where should people visit the newlake.com website for more information, either as an entrepreneur or as an investor? Yes. Great. www.newlake.com. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Richard Zwicky. Thanks for listening.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.